As we watch our world, even as we read our Bibles, sometimes it can feel like things are very dark. But in Daniel chapter 7, we are going to see a vision of the Son of Man. Before Jesus ever walked the earth, before he was ever born in Bethlehem, he is presented in the book of Daniel as the glorious Son of Man, which is a divine title, a title of deity, a title for the Messiah. And even in a dark chapter and a book that sometimes is dark, we're going to see the brilliant light of the Messiah, the great Son of Man. This is the one in whom we have trusted. This is the one in whom we have believed. And his name is Jesus. And we'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. This is an interesting and exciting time to live because Israel is back in the land and there's persecution and there's stuff going on there all the time. And so notice what happens. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, verse 3, and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. This last world leader, this dictator or antichrist will seem to go through something that looks like a death and a resurrection, probably faked. And they worship the dragon, that's Satan, because he gave his authority to the beast. Maybe Satan has possessed this beast to give him his power. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemy and authority to act for 42 months. Bible students, that's three and a half years, was given to him. Authority is given. God's sovereign. He's given this authority to act for three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him, to Antichrist, to make war with who? With the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Notice he is going to make war with the saints. And I know this is a verse that a lot of people don't want to look at, but here it is, and to overcome them. There's going to be a time for the saints that are on the planet at this time when the Antichrist will have the upper hand. In verse 10, it says, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he will go. If anyone uh, kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. So here is what takes patient endurance. Here is what some of you may need to hear as an alternate view of what you were raised with. It is quite possible that the church will go through the great tribulation and have to deal with the Antichrist. Because the word saints is used in the book of Galatians in a greeting, in Ephesians in a greeting, and it's another word for the church. And you may have heard people say, well, the church isn't mentioned after a certain place early in Revelation. Yeah, but saints are mentioned. And so some people say, well, these are tribulation saints. Maybe, 
but maybe not. I guess all saints will be tribulation saints at that time. Amen? The question is, who will be here at that time? And who will the Antichrist be persecuting? It's the offspring of the woman, the ones who have been grafted in, the church. But be of good cheer, because he'll only have a limited time to do his damage. And it will really only matter to the ones that are here. But let me just say to you, for those who are here, if, they are, if they've at least heard this as a possibility in your last day's view that the church may go through at least a portion of Daniel's 70th week, it would be good to hear the alternate view because if the alternate view is true and you're still here, then you won't think that God gave up on you or the Bible's not true. Are you with me? So this is what's been called a historic premillennial view held by Irenaeus, Justin Martyr, just to name a few. The historic premillennial view says the church will see the Antichrist. They will have to face persecution, but they will experience deliverance at the return of Christ and a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. Praise God. That's what's coming. The church has always experienced persecution, we know. Of course, it's been at different levels in different places, but here's what we get from Daniel 7 as we compare it to Revelation 13. Now, I'm going to give you just a few aspects uh, of this kingdom in rapid fire, and I'm going to quickly run out of time, and I may have to do this in two parts. Let's see how quick we can move. I do believe that the world, the coming world kingdom of the Antichrist has some connection to the Roman Empire, but to all the empires mentioned in Daniel 2 and 7. Here's what we know. Number one, I'm going to give you seven quick points. There are going to be 10 kings ruling at the time of the end. Revelation 17, 12. They will at a given point, if you want to just skip over, skip over to Revelation 17 while you're there. There will be 10 kings ruling at the time. Revelation 17, 12. They will at a given point choose one man to rule over them. Revelation 17, 13. It will be a kingdom at war with the Lamb, but will be destroyed by him. Revelation 17, 14. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. His rule will include fierce persecution of the saints, Revelation 13, 7. We'll see this in Daniel 7, 25 and Revelation 12, 17. It will consist of a religious system, a one-world religious system and government that demands mandatory worship or you die, Revelation 13, 15, just giving you the facts. And it will be a one-world economic system, according to Revelation 13, 16, and 17. This will be up on the website if I'm going too fast. A one-world economic system that says you must take the mark of the beast to be able to buy or sell, and if you don't have the mark, you cannot buy or sell. So all seven, quickly, just because I know some of you are trying to take notes. It'll be 10 kings ruling at the time. They will choose one man to rule over them, number two. It will king, kingdom at war with the lamb, number three. World dominion, dictatorship over the world, number four. It will be a kingdom with fierce persecution against the saints, number five. 
It will consist of a religious system or a one-world religion, mandatory worship or you die, number six. It will have a one-world economic system, number seven. So there are many things that we do know about what's going to happen in the last days. These are just some of them. And we do get some insights about the man of lawlessness as we'll move into Daniel 8 next time we're together. But what I want to do is leave you with some good news and some hope. So I want you to turn back to Daniel 7 and show you how this all concludes or what God does to thwart it. Daniel has told us about this beast different from all the others, the eyes of a man, mouth uttering boasts at war with heaven and so forth. And he says, verse 9, I kept looking. I want to park there for a second. Here's a practical application. Sometimes when the news is bad and the clouds are gray and it seems like there's no other way, keep looking. Keep studying your Bible. Keep looking for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You'll see him one day. Every eye will see him. You're going to see him. I'm going to see his face. Can you believe it? We're going to see his face. So be of good cheer. Daniel says, I kept, I kept looking, and boy, Daniel's locked into this dream and vision. He said, until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days speaks of God's eternality. He's eternal. Took his seat. His vesture was like white snow. The hair of his head like pure wool. These are descriptions that are uh, spoken of of Jesus in Revelation 1. You can look at verse 14 and following. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. I don't even know how to interpret that. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. A river of fire was flowing and it came out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads. Myriad is the, the largest Greek word that could be used here. So it's really an uncountable number. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him and the court sat and the books were open. And it's as if God's saying, Daniel, keep looking. I know you saw some dreadful beasts. I know there's been these world empires. I know your people's been in captivity and will be for 70 years in Babylon. But wait, I am in control of history. I'm still on my throne. I'm still a consuming fire. And the river flowed. The thousands were attending the Lord and the court sat and of verse 10 and the books were opened. And then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words. He saw the throne room of God, which we see in Revelation 4 and 5. But the boastful words of that little horn were also speaking. Sometimes we're trying to keep our eye on God, but there's people around us who are squawking. And we're like, we're like oh Lord, help me to stay focused on Jesus on the 91. <laughs> uh, uh, squawk, squawk, uh. Oh, Lord, let me keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, the one who is at the right hand of the throne on high. Man, Daniel had to deal with that. He was seeing the throne room of God, but then there's this squawky little horn. And it was speaking. And I kept looking now, Daniel might have thought, man, this last beast looks so intimidating, so awesome, 
thrashing around doing damage. It's like nothing I ever saw before. But I kept... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Man, Daniel had to deal with that. He was seeing the throne room of God, but then there's this squawky little horn. And it was speaking. And I kept looking. Now, Daniel might have thought, man, this last beast looks so intimidating, so awesome, uh, thrashing around, doing damage. It's like nothing I ever saw before. But I kept looking until what? Until the beast was slain. And its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. Well, we know that the beast, Revelation 19, I think it's verses 19 and 20, will be thrown, where? Into the lake of fire. The beast that looks so deadly, so unconquerable, oh, is nothing to our great God and Savior. In fact, The Bible says that Jesus will destroy him with the breath of his mouth and the glory of his coming. The Antichrist is going to be like, ah! Hallelujah. Amen? That's it. You see, we're talking about God. We're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about king of kings and lord of lords. That beast, that last beast, that will do so much damage and no doubt he will. Well, he will be destroyed. And as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away. But an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. Let me park here for a second. This particular section may be the answer to the question, who enters into the millennial reign that's not a believer? Well, apparently some of the leaders of the world at this time will survive the day of the Lord However that works, I don't know for sure. And they will enter in. They'll get an extension of life. They won't be thrown into the lake of fire for a granted time. And these will be the ones that rebel at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Some of you have wondered about that. And I want to show you, and I'm only getting halfway through Daniel 7, but i got to show you something in Zechariah. Let's go over uh, second to the last book of the Old Testament. Zechariah, then Malachi. All right. You want chapter 14. Let me show you this because this is cool and this gives you some insight on what's ahead. This is Zechariah 14. Look at verse 1. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations, Zechariah 14, 2, against Jerusalem to battle. 
The city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights in a day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Some of you have walked down the Mount of Olives with us, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will be moved toward the north and the other half toward the south. And you will flee by the valley of my mountains for the valley of the mountains will reach Azil. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. Then the Lord my God, God will come and all the holy ones with him. And it will come about in that day that there will be no light the luminaries will dwindle, for it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it will come about that at evening time there will be light. And it will come about in that day that living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea, the other half toward the western sea. It will be summer as well as in the winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day the Lord will be the only one and his name the only one. All the land will be changed into a plain from Geba to Ramon, south from, uh, of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem will rise and remain on its site from Benjamin's gate as far as the place of the first gate to the corner gate and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. And the people will live in it and there will be no more curse for Jerusalem will dwell in security." Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet. Right in your margin, Indiana Jones. There it is. And their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongue will rot in their mouth. And it will come about in that day that a great panic from the Lord will fall on them and they will seize one another's hand and the hand of one will be lifted against the hand of another. And Judah also will fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of all the surrounding nations will be gathered, gold and silver and garments in great abundance. So also like this plague will be the plague on the horse, the mule, the camel, the donkey, all the cattle that will come, uh, that will be in those camps. And then it will come about that any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will enter into the millennial reign. Here's where I believe we get further clarity. And will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate what? The feast of booze or the feast of tabernacles. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth or the nations of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord, Lord, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. Skip down to verse 20. In that day, there will be inscribed on the bells of the horses, holy to the Lord. The cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like the bowls before the altar. And so you can see that we get some clarity as we piece together these aspects of the last days um, back to Daniel 7 and we'll finish. So, as all these things are unfolding and this last world empire is ravaging the earth, Daniel 7, 13, he says, I kept looking in the night visions 
And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now, I believe that what Daniel 7 is telling us is that the second coming of Jesus Christ will bring the destruction of the beast, the Antichrist, the rescue of the saints, the destruction of the Antichrist, the judgment of the world as the books are open, and then the uh, millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Notice, the Son of Man comes up to the Ancient of Days and is presented before him. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. You can see John 1.1 in Daniel 7.13. You can see Jesus, Son of Man, and the Father, if you will, the Ancient of Days. And Jesus is presented before him. And there's, he's coming with the clouds. Here's the second coming of Jesus. Here's the one that said, ask of me. The Father says, ask of me, and I will give the nations as your inheritance, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And to him, the Son of Man was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion, unlike these other kingdoms that come and go, is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. The other kingdoms will be destroyed. His kingdom will never be destroyed and we will reign with him forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, we know in 2 Timothy, you said, if we endure with you, we shall, if we endure, we shall reign with you. And Lord, I know that you, you say of the church that we will be overcomers in that day. Who is the one who overcomes? He who places faith, she who places faith in Jesus Christ. What is the world coming to? What, how do we see the world powers of our day? Nations that look strong and threatening. How do we look at the last days? How do we see those? What is our place in that? Well, we are gonna rule and reign with you, Lord, forever. History is your story. And you are going to wind up the times just exactly as the scripture has been written. And just as the prophecies came to pass of Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome, the first coming of Jesus, so the world empire of the last days and the second coming of the king, well, they've been prophesied. It is written, behold, you said, Lord, I've told you everything in advance. And you told us to be alert and to be ready and to be busy about your business to occupy until you come. And Father, I just pray that you'll help us as we think about the last days. We don't know what generation. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know that when a woman's pregnant, and this is an image used in scripture, that when she's in her ninth month, she doesn't know the exact day or the hour, but she knows the time is coming. And Lord, we don't know that exact time, but you told us that we can at least understand the season. We can understand some of these things that we've studied tonight, and there's more to come. And I just pray that we would be uh, people who have wisdom, knowing how to navigate the times in which we live. And we are people that should be so grateful 
for the, the many blessings you've poured upon this nation, the many blessings you've poured upon the church, the many blessings you've poured upon our families, Lord. We are so blessed. And we don't want to take that for granted for a moment. We pray over our country, its leaders, its laws. And we pray, Lord, maybe first and foremost, our prayer should be for the church, for the saints, for the ones that you love, the ones that you came to rescue when you died on the cross and rose from the dead, and the ones that you're coming to rescue again when you return. You are a savior, a deliverer, our great God, in Jesus' name. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. And we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.